Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on The Kevin and Fred Show and uh, sorry to do this to you again, but I am the guest again. So uh, a little bit different format. Uh, You might have remembered last year I ran a... a copy of the episode or the live interview, if you will, that I did with my good friend and uh, and couple time guest on this show, Dustin Runyon, for his his live weekly interview that he calls Fired Up Fridays. And so he did a different, a uh, little bit different um, setup this time, where we really didn't talk a whole lot of business. We did some, uh, it, but we went two hours, so we went deep. And the thing about Dustin that you should know is like, he knows me well, he's, he's one of my best friends for sure. And so, um, he's, he's able to, to ask questions that he like, he's got more, he's got inside information, I guess. And so it, it enabled him to ask some really good questions that caused me to think, and hopefully the question, not, not so much my answer, but his line of questioning, hopefully will make you think as well. And so it's long, it's two hours. So we're going to, we're going to divide this into two parts. So uh, you are either listening to part one right now or part two. I don't know, because I'm probably not going to record a second intro for this, but just want to let you know how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Uh, if you want to find out more about Dustin and kind of what this uh, Fired Up Fridays thing is, go over to firedupfridays.com. That's firedupfridays.com. And uh, check out what Dustin's doing. Uh, he's not just my friend, but he's a mentor. The guy's helped me a lot and uh, probably more than I could even express. And I just love the guy. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, all right, guys. I am uh, super excited for this Fired Up Friday. I have one of my best friends in the whole fucking world. Um, Kevin Kaufman on the call with us today. Uh, this dude has been... Um, I, right before I got on the call, I was talking to my team. I'm like, he was one of the first people in real estate when this, like that, that I don't know, gave me permission to be me and gave me permission to just be whoever I wanted to be because fucker wears a Dodgers hat and dunks wherever he goes and just is himself. And he is unapologetically himself. And so in an industry that sometimes is a suit and tie and a mask wearing industry, you were, you were one of the realest, realest motherfuckers out. And you just, you brought me in and you were kind to me and you were good to me. And you were never, never made me feel like you were above me, even though you were. Um, (laughs) And so uh, I love you, dude. Can we welcome Kevin Kaufman? Love you, brother. Thanks for having me on. Uh, back back on i should say for for marathon i don't know if you saw the chatter in the uh in the group but like fred brought up a super valid point like there's fred my business partner with the details the shit i'm never thinking of is like what if i have to pee again before 11 o'clock like two hours i'm like i'm a little nervous i'm a little nervous to do this but let's go <laughs> i know i know what is that it, it, it's fu- i don't know if we talked about this last time but it, it's so funny uh when you walk into kevin and fred's office you definitely know who's who kevin's office is and fred's office is you you don't even have to like literally don't ask just look at the two desks and you will know which one is mine and which one is fred's like at, like instantly no asking required yep because kevin's desk is a shit show and fred's desk is perfect <laughs> For the record, it's an organized shit show. I know where things are in the mess, and it's a fucking mess. No doubt about it. How long have you guys been together? Um, Fred and I started officially working together February of 2008. So uh, is that 14, just over 14, about 14 and a half years ago. So just after, I, I mean, I, I hadn't even been licensed for a year at that point. Dude, have you guys been be obviously i know you're always real but have you ever guys have you guys ever really gotten into it no like ever even even once not even once no not even once have we like have we have we probably done something that annoyed the other person oh yeah oh yeah yeah but we've also always been the type like we've always just been the type of people like fuck i'm just gonna leave him alone right now or 
I don't actually care about it that like, you know, if it was like a business thing, it's like, I just, I actually don't care that much about it. I'm just going to fucking let them run with it. Mm-hmm. And if he runs in a wall and we'll just fix it. And if it works, then great for everyone. So, um, so literally, no, we've never like literally, which sounds weird to even say, but yeah, 14 and a half years and never one like scream or yell or like, what do you attribute that to? I think, I don't know. I hate to say this. Cause like this in itself, I think has a lot of ego attached to it, but there's just not a lot of ego. Like we're uh, both, we're both way more attached to fucking making it work than we are to being right. And we're, and we are two guys that, that I think I can say this very fairly. Uh, and honestly, we both like to be right a lot. It's probably both of our challenges. It's certainly one of my challenges. And, uh, but for whatever reason, we decided early on right for us was like a business worth having. It was like a business worth owning. It was, it was getting somewhere that, um, that we wanted to go. And that was, that's, I think that's always been and has remained our North star. Um, I don't think I know, like, I know that's, that's, that's a big factor. Yeah. So two people have a strong desire to be right about a lot. Is it like, uh, and is it like a, like you, do you have, do you, do you both hold each other to a high level of respect? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's no, no doubt about that. I, and I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure if there was like a therapist here or someone, they would be like, oh yeah, that that's, that's the factor, or, you know, or maybe it's the, yeah. how intertwined our families and lives are, you know, but if, I mean, it wasn't like that's the beginning outside of the fact, um, you know, I would, I would just say like my, my hunch is like there, yeah, there's just a lot in there. I think we're both way more attached to, I mean, even to put it bluntly, I'm more attached to my bank account than I am to being right. Like yeah. I want my, <laughs> I want my life to be bigger than more than I want to fucking be right about whatever I might be arguing with somebody about. How much do you think pride costs people financially? Uh, uncalculable, <laughs> incalculable. Yeah. I can't even think of the correct English word for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what is, what is pride costing you? And if you could somehow find a way to like monetize or not monetize, uh, calculate that into dollars, uh, it would probably be pretty crazy. Oh yeah. I don't, I mean, my, I mean, think, think about like, it's easy to look at in sports. Uh, and I think, uh, probably aging myself here, but anybody who's 40 ish and, and up would know this, especially if you like sports, but like the Dallas Cowboys who at one time had the best, the current best coach in the league, they were the best team. Like they, they had a, they were, they were on a run. Um, and because Jerry Jones has to be right, him and Jimmy Johnson couldn't get along and they had to end it. And like they, the Cowboys had to go back to mediocrity over someone's willingness or like someone's more attached to being right than they were to winning. Right. And, and winning. So for, I guess, yeah, when I said bank account, you could, you could just say winning. Like I want championships, things like that. Yeah. Um, do you think was this like a conscious thing that you guys had together, like as a partnership? And I know you get this fucking a, a lot, but I see so many like dissolutions of, of partnerships and so many things not working out and so much. Were you consciously not prideful, consciously respectful? Con- I mean, did, is this all conscious or, or was this like God doing work? No, we were consciously trying to, to like not go bankrupt. Uh, you know, that's what we were yeah. doing. Like, you're, like when you go back to what we started, dude, we were both like, like I like I like to say we weren't we didn't have our backs to the corner we kind of had our backs to each other and we're both fighting off creditors and bills and life uh you know all that comes with uh years of stupid decisions in your in your 20s and so when we when we started working together um we were just both so committed to getting out of a hole and you know financially and business wise and making getting ourselves some breathing room that by the time we did that, we looked up and we had a business and we kind of had something going. Yeah. Did you, as a kid, like growing up, did you always want to win? Like, was that like in you? Did you always oh, want to yeah. be rich? Did you always want to have money? hundred percent always. Uh, and I don't know if that's just cause I grew up poor. And so it's like, uh, you know, so like, that's the cliche thing, but like, I used to even joke about it. I used to tell my mom, like, and I, by the way, 
I fucking hate golf. I know you love it, bro. And I'm happy for you. I fucking hate that game. Um, and so I, what, but I used to tell, I used to tell my mom when I was a kid, I'm like, uh, and this is so not PC anymore. I'm gonna say it anyways. And if you judge me for it, fuck you. Um, but I used to tell my mom, like I'm white. I'm probably, I think I'm Republican. I didn't even know what it was then. And I'm going to be rich. I have to learn how to play golf. Like I used to, <laughs> I used to say, and then it turned out like golf is stupid. I so hate that game. So frustrating. Uh, uh, anyways. So yes, like I was, I was determined from the get-go to how I just wanted a bigger life. Like I just wanted, I, I wanted more than what I had experienced to that point. Yeah. Like when you say poor, like, what do you, like, what do you mean by poor? So, um, most of my upbringing, my mom was single. She was married to my dad and then uh, had a stepdad as well. She, she had a second marriage for a while. Um, so mostly single family. Um, I, I'm not sure that my mom ever made more than $40,000 in a year. Uh, and so raising two hungry, growing boys, uh, like $35,000, $40,000 annually pre-tax doesn't really go that far. So when I think of like, if you said, tell me how poor you were, I, for me, I go back to like little kid, Kevin, I think of like, fuck, I don't get any school clothes this year. Or I only got like one pair of shorts and one t-shirt, uh, but not shoes or, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's what I think of. Like, we always had a roof over our head, clearly always had food but we didn't have a whole lot extra. We didn't have vacations. We didn't have, we just didn't have a whole lot extra. Mm -hmm. And so it, I, and I always wanted the extra man. Like you, where like did you, you know what, me? so what, what example? Yeah. I know you now, but like then like, what example did you have of extra? Did I didn't have anything of extra. Like there was nothing. All I had a desire, all I had was a desire for more. Like I didn't have, that's what I'm saying is we had no extra. There, there was nothing left over at the end of the month, I remember one time uh, we, so I grew up in Yuma and we're up here. You guys, uh, for those of you who are Phoenix natives, you might remember the price club long before Costco. And so like once a year, my mom and stepdad would come up here and, uh, and then go to price club and uh, somebody they knew had a membership or whatever. And they had this skateboard there, like for whatever reason, my brother and I were on this trip and they had a skateboard at price club. And I wanted the skateboard so bad, bro. And it was like a hundred bucks or something. And I was like, I was full blown skater kid at that point in my life. And I remember I want, dude, I wanted it so bad. And I could tell that my mom wanted to buy it for me. And just literally like, if we bought that skateboard, that meant there was like a hundred dollars less worth of food or electricity for the month yeah. or whatever. And yeah. so she said, no, like for, for a damn skateboard that I, that was like, I just, you know, I'd earned it, whatever. Like I was a good kid. I was paying attention. I was doing my thing. I could, like, I could tell she wanted it, that she also wanted me to have it, but we couldn't do it. Yeah. So like, like that's a, that's a moment I think of like, and you know, even something small like that, like I just decided earlier on, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not living like that. Like I can't have that. I'll find a way around it. Yeah. I was going to say, when did it start to manifest into like actual different behavior in you? I mean, I think it already had, like, by that point, like, dude, I was already going to baseball card shows and wheeling and dealing with baseball cards, selling shit. Like, I would just, like, find, like, if I could find a way to buy something and then sell it for more or, you know, make trades for baseball cards that then go sell this more expensive cards, things like that, I would always do that. Um, and so I got a, you know, I got a job the minute I turned 16. So, like, from the get-go, I, I was always looking for a way and then I, you know, I had to, tr I think like a lot of other people, I had to try a lot of stuff and, and do things. And then prior to real estate, I always, I don't know what it was, but I found a way to get paid more than my education would, would command. Uh, and, you know, and it, I remember, like, I remember the first time my salary went over $40,000 a year annually. And then when it hit 50 and then like 60, and it's like, I had friends with like master's degrees and, and granted this was, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, so the pay scales weren't, you know, where they are today. And I was like, dude, I got friends with master's degrees and they have a lot of school debt, like that don't even make three quarters of what I make right now. And so I would always find a way to like maximize whatever I could 
Um, and then, but I mean, truthfully, it wasn't until I got into to real estate and actually started a business that I, that I figured out how to start to make money. Yeah. How did you, uh, how were you making like 40, 50, $60,000 a year? What were you doing? Oh, dude. I, so when I first moved to Phoenix, I got a job at a call center for bank. One. It was at the time it was bank one and it was doing credit card collections, like early front end collections. It was, it was basically, it was basically customer services. I think it's where I really learned to sell. Um, and, and, and then I worked my way into this like support position in the company through like this program they had. And like, so then I worked for the team that like ran the auto dialers for the, for the whole call center and then for other call centers. And then I just parlayed that into one job after another. Like I literally, and then like I networked and parlayed that role into just an, another pay raise, another pay raise, another pay raise, another job, a different role. And then it wasn't, I remember I actually turned, I was worked for GE had acquired the company I was working for. And, um, and at the time GE still had all the shine on it. You know, it was still like, you know, like the company in the United States or or not even just the United States, the world. And I had turned down an offer for a decent sized promotion because I had already gone back to school. uh, And I was like, cause I'd figured out like, I probably can't work for someone else. I'm not really capable of following rules that don't matter and things like that. And, uh, and so I turned it down. I remember I pissed off a lot of people by that, but by that time I was like, I, I just know that I can't work for someone else, no matter how much they pay me. If, even if my salary, you know, at that time, if you'd offered me a hundred thousand dollars a year, I'd probably would have really considered it, but I probably would still would have said no. Yeah. Is that an authority thing? It's, uh, probably. <laughs> probably go back to that need to be right that I mentioned earlier. Like, I don't know. I just don't want to follow your rules. If your your rules don't make sense. Like, you know, um, Fred used to say there there was this guy that he used to listen to that he would say the definition of religion is man-made rules that, that lack purpose. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just resonated with me. Like I I don't do well with rules that, that I don't see the value in them. Mm. And so if there's a certain way I have to behave and act, if I have to say certain things to make people feel a certain way, rather than like actually execute on something, like I'm, I'm out, like I'm just, yeah. I'm out. Can't do it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how much do you think the cold calling? I, cause when I, when I first went into, when I, my, my second job, when I moved to Phoenix, when I was 18, I was, I was cold calling. I was hammering, you know, 800 calls a day. And I would say it's like, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Uh, how much of that was like, uh, how much was the cold calling? You said you learned to sell. How much of that like was transcended you into like into real estate and how beneficial was that for you? So, you know, what's funny is I like, I have cold called for real estate, but not a lot, but in um, doing the collections uh, uh, for, for bank one and then, and then kind of building a, a little bit of a career prior to real estate in the call center world, banking call center world, credit world. What that really did is it, it that actually set me up for short sales, which is obviously how you and I first connected, right? Because I understood what happened is when I got into real estate, then my third transaction ever was a short sale. And then Fred and I partner up a few months later, like officially, and all we're doing is short sales. I understood who I was calling. So like when I called the 800 number at Bank of America or GMAC or Wells Fargo or whatever, I, I literally knew the person I was calling in some cases, like actually physically knew the person on a face name, mm. first name basis outside of work in some cases. But more importantly, I understood the mindset of the person I was talking to. And so when they said stuff that didn't matter, like it never really bothered. I mean, it, okay, bothered me. I yelled at some people. <laughs> I might've lost my temper once or twice. Um, but the point is, is like, I already knew the game. I, I had a cheat code because I knew what they were thinking. I knew what they were doing and it allowed me to beat them. Well, I was going to say, when you said you were, I'd never knew you worked for bank one. I was like, dude, you fucking worked for the enemy. I did. Oh, I used to tell, I used to, dude, I used to say like, I worked for the devil prior to real estate. And then I decided yeah. to start helping people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and the short, devil, and- in case you're wondering who I'm referring to chase devil <laughs> sure. Jamie Diamond, well, terrible person <laughs> uh yeah because uh in the in the in the short sale days i mean they were they were they were they were the devil uh, <laughs> that's so funny um how how is how is your 
how do you sniff out a rule that doesn't make sense? Like, like, how is that, how is that worked out in your, like, how is that in your life? Do you use that in business? Do you use that in your life? Do you use that in your personal life? Uh, like, how do you sniff out a rule where you're like, this is, this is bullshit. Is that intuition? Is it principle? What is it? Uh, no, I think it's intuition. I don't I, like, here's the deal with principles. And, and I probably don't use the word the way you use the word. Uh, yeah. cause you, you always force me to think when you, when you use that word, um, I, when I hear principle for most people, I hear this dumb set of rules that they have that they don't actually think about. Um, and so like, I think it's intuitive, uh, like, sorry, I'm about to offend at least half the people on this call, but like wearing masks for the last two years, there's no scientific fact for it's like, well, hold on a second. That doesn't actually make sense. Literally does not make sense. So maybe no. So like, I'm just the guy that like for the last two years, I, when I walked through the airport, like I, or anywhere else that required masks, if I chose to go there or had to go there, like not really had to, I guess you always have a choice. Like I just didn't put it on until someone called me out for it. And then even at the airport is like only for only to get through security and then only to get on the airplane. And then only while I was on the airplane. Right. Because like your rule doesn't make sense. Like there's no logic behind it. And so, and so I'm not going to follow it. Or another example that won't offend as many people is I used to um, never forget the scenario. I sent an email one time. And um, for those of you who've known me for a while, you know that I was, so for, I forgot that I can't work for somebody. And for like six months, I was a regional director for, for Keller Williams Realty for, for a franchise region. And I, uh, I sent an email one day to uh to and on the email and it was a re i replied all I, I just fucking replied all i didn't even initiate the email however but on that email was gary keller mo anderson mark willis uh, i don't know mary Tennant, a few other people the executives right and then like three or four of us and uh all i i got in trouble i got in trouble for not putting people in the right right in the right order because i didn't list gary first and mo second and mark third and then mary I literally got reprimanded and I went, okay, exactly. Dave. I went, what the fuck? Uh, literally. And I'm like, okay, I can't play. I'm out, you know? And so it's just, it's natural. Like you just, something just like, doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, yeah. it doesn't jive. And I just, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm actively listening for that stuff or I'm just not actively blocking that stuff out. But when I see something or hear something and I don't love the way it feels like I take note of it. And depending on who you are or the scenario, like I have more grace uh, it, to ask why. And in other scenarios, I don't. And I'm like, fuck you. I, like, I'm not doing that. Literally. Like I'm not do. I'm literally just not doing that. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I, I think it's just very, I think it's a lot more instinctual than it is anything else. It's one of the, sim and, and I don't know, you, you'll tell me now, but for how different you and Fred are, like for how different of, you know, we'll go back to the desks, how meticulous, how on purpose he is and how, you know, methodical he is with things and how, how, uh, how you're, you're I'll figure it out <laughs> type. Uh, you do both share that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I saw, so a friend yesterday, I don't, for those of you may know of streamlined business solutions uh there so there are bookkeepers but prior to that company starting david particularly the founder and his wife christy particularly we knew them separately in fact before they even knew each other and christy used to work with another agent that fred and i knew and she at one time described fred and i as she's like you know you guys are definitely similar but different she goes it's like you guys are in different corners of the same brain because yeah. you don't think the same, you don't actually always show up the same, but you do arrive to usually the same conclusion. Well, I was going to say what, what blew me away when getting to know Fred early on was his ability to throw the middle finger up too. And I was like, Oh, goddamn, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll he, he's more so than any. So Fred, like, this is what we joke about. Like I have less of a filter as you notated by the, how many times I've said fuck already 28 minutes in. Uh, and so I, I have less of a filter. Fred is a lot judgier. He just doesn't always say it out loud. And I like, I say that kind of lightheartedly, but I mean, yeah. that even shows up on our on behavioral profiles. Well, yeah. When Fred told me, when Fred's like, I fucking love you, Dust, I was like, I did it. I fucking did it. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Gene, if you're on here, let's edit that. Let's edit that mask and that mask comment uh, into like a 20 second clip and we'll make sure it get out that to the ethos. <laughs> we'll make sure Spotify puts the COVID-19 blue, blue thing above it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's Gene. Uh, that's funny. So um, what has, uh, and I, we talked about this a little bit, but what's, um, what's something in like the past six months you've really been like working on or pondering on or changed your mind about, or I've noticed a little shift, uh, in you. What's that? Everything. Everything. Uh, Okay. Well, what's everything? Um, I, I mean, so how can I answer this question? I don't know. It was so coming into coming into the beginning of the year, things were going really good. Still are going really good. I mean, they're great. In fact, um, it's almost weird. You and I have talked about this many times. Like I'm always like a little leery. I don't let it slow me down, but like when things are really good, I'm like looking for the right hook, right? I'm looking for it. Um, and so, you know, I, I things have just been going really good. I, and then in, I was starting to feel this already, but then in, uh, end of February, I lost my grandfather who I was very close with very su- like shock surprise. Um, like so surprising the night before, literally the night before he died, uh, we were talking about how he probably be alive for another 15 years, if not more. Um, and then just, you know, so that was kind of like, Oh God, you know, what's happening. And then I had an uncle die like two weeks later. So I don't know if it's a combination of like that, because it'd been a while since I'd lost anybody close. Um, and I had a lot of losses earlier in my life, like when I, like late teens and early twenties um, of friends and family members. And so it'd been a while since like any, any kind of substantial loss. And uh, so I don't know if it was, that was like a jolt or what, but I found myself in, in March and April just going, um, I'm kind of bored and I'm not sure what to do about it. Like I have, um, I have some things I set out for and then, and that's great. And I love it. And also I'm not real sure what to do now. I'm not sure to, sure what to do with myself now and what I should be doing next. I just felt a little lost, I guess. And so that's, that forced me to really explore, I think a lot of things internally. Um, Lost as a person, lost in business, lost as a father, yes. lost as a husband, lost or no, all. Uh, maybe a little <laughs> bit of all, but definitely, definitely the on the business side. Like definitely on the business side. Um, I love what's what your I, what was your business look like at that time? Because you're 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 with EXP and you like what's your business look like at that time? when you say look like, do you mean like, what are my activities or like, what's the, what's the income? What's the, no, like at at that time when you were lost, it's like, so you have a real estate team, correct? Boring, boring, just boring. Like here's the deal. The, um, and when you do something consistently for a long period of time, uh, and you're committed, especially if you're committed to doing it certain ways, like, I, I hate to use this word, but like, there's, there's some autopilot features to, to my business um, for me anyways. And, and those all sound great and they are, and it's not all great. Like not everything's all good, right? Uh, everything it's like, there's this balance to it. And so my business look like it doesn't actually require that much of me every week. And so business-wise, I was feeling a little bit of like, well, where do I go uh, put more effort into, you know, what, what's going to be the biggest return, what's uh, financially, and then also like for me as a person and for the other people, and then like, well, maybe I should be doing these other things over here. So there was just a, like a lot of searching that happened, uh, you know, for the first, uh, first, you know, half of this year. And um, I, Is- I mean, I ended up take, taking a lot of time off. Was it like almost like so much leverage that was the lost? Like, were you lacking purpose? Were you lacking like, like, you know what I mean by that? I don't, I don't know if it was purpose. It was definitely lacking excitement. Okay. 
and and I'm not sure that you have to have excitement, although I I I like it. Um yeah. <laughs> you know, and um and I think also part part of it is like um so there's like some from like a financial standpoint, I, I surpassed whatever goals I had ever dreamed of as a kid a long time ago. And and then also from like a business practicality standpoint, like I literally like Dustin, if I showed you this um I did this exercise um, with, with, uh, some that worked for Frank closets, Frank owns viral marketing, and he was helping me with our Facebook group, next level agents. And one of the things that we were going to do just to kind of build the community was offer these kind of goal setting calls. And that's a bad word. We didn't even use the word goal setting. It had more to do with like, what do you want out of life? And you know, what are you drawn to characteristics, things like that. So he's like, you should probably do one yourself before you like go offer this to, to 25,000 people. So I was like, that's really good good advice. And so I did. And so I remember I wrote it all down or I said all the things, Peter, his name is Peter McDonald. He asked me all these questions. He wrote it all down. And, um, oh, Crystal just asked a really good question and, and yeah, we should go to there in a minute. Um, so, so he asked me these questions, I answered him and he sends me this, this, this Google doc shares it with me. That was in February of 2020. So, yeah. So just think about like where the world was. And then think about like the next month, like, I forgot about that. Like the world fell apart theoretically. Like, you know, we all thought it was going to end March of March of 2020. Uh, then the mask saved us. And so um, that, was, that was a joke for those of you keeping score at home. Uh, and so what happens is like, I then later on, like I reflect on it earlier this year. I actually had forgotten about that till late last year. And then I, earlier this year, I'm reflecting on it and I'm reading this part of it. It's this five-year vision. And I was like, fucking living that to 100% to a T already. And I like, I texted Fred. I was like, dude, I know my problem is my problem is I got exactly what I asked for two years ago. And now I'm fucking bored with it. And, but it's literally verbatim what I asked for. And so that really forced me to think like, well, what am I asking for? Um, you know, what am I asking for out of life, out of my, you know, business relationships, all, all of it. Right. And so I don't know. I think maybe I've just gone more in, introspective uh, a lot. I know you said in the last six months, but I think also probably in the last two years that, you know, I spent a lot more time thinking than ever before. And sometimes mm -hmm. thinking about things that are really practical and sometimes not, not so much. Do you still I don't feel even know lost? I answered your question? No, I really no, don't know. Well, I well, I just, I've just noticed like, just like, I guess, I guess that would be it. I've just, I've just noticed you, you, you're, um, you're, you've, you've, just cause we're, we're, we're close friends. Like you've just, you've looked at things that maybe you haven't looked at before, or you're, you're, you're going in, into, into different parts that you maybe have not even not looked at, but just maybe even, even didn't even know they were there. Um, and yeah. so I, you know, you said you were, you were lost, um, go through that process. Like it, it, how do you, did you, have you found yourself again? And, or like for people <laughs> like, on <laughs> for people like, I think this is, I think it's something that, that a lot of people, a lot of people talk to me about it because the, 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 I coach with people, but I think there's a lot of people that feel lonely in this space of like feeling lost. What, uh, what did you do? Like, what were some of the things you did to kind of find yourself again? I, I think I kept asking questions, which is what I do now. Like, I think that's my natural behavior is I'm inquisitive. It's why I have a podcast. I just literally like to ask people questions and learn. And so a couple of years ago, I realized I had to ask myself more questions and then like, and like fucking sit and wait on the answer. And so, um, so I started doing that. I think also too, um, you know, really recently, like since the, since the end of June, Curtis, Curtis Johnson shared that book with me, diet was zero. And I think maybe part of the reason why it's been so impactful for me is like the timing of it and, and the things I've dealt with. And um, so, I, I mean, I do, I do feel like I've quote unquote found myself, especially if we're talking about like six months ago versus today. Uh, I, I do feel that way. I feel clear, not just clear on where I'm going and what I want, but what I do sort of daily. And then more importantly, like what I want out of the, you know, the, the last 46 years of my life. What were some of the most powerful questions you were asking of yourself? Uh, what do I want and why? Like, first of all, and like, not just like, what do I want? 
so you and I have both been in a culture of like where the definition of wealth is doing what you want, when you want, with who you want for however long you want. And that's a bullshit answer. I get it, but that's bullshit. It's surface level because no, like, okay. So if you can actually do what you want, when you want, with who you want, like who, who is it? What, like, what exactly is it that you're doing? Like, and so I, I had to ask myself the question of like, well, what is it that I want to do and who do I want to do it with? And for how long And all, like all of those things, like just trying to go down another notch uh, as opposed to just like the surface level answers of like, of like, Hey, if I, you know, like when I accomplish this, I'm going to have that. Like I, I had to start asking myself more questions. And I think too, having kids um, helped made it easier for me to like, really think of like, well, what are the things I want them to think about when they're 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years old too, based on what I'm doing right now. And so just literally kind of digging into some of those details. Yeah. And does that, does that answer your question? Oh no, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, uh, um, I guess, so the question thing's so powerful. I, I love that. And one of the, the powerful things, and I don't know if anyone on the call heard it, that is fucking like amazing is that. And what you, we have to do and what I have to do is, is once we ask a really, really hard question, just because we don't get an immediate answer, doesn't mean that we should ask a lower level question. It's like you said something, you're like, I had to ask a hard question and I'd sit on it for a while. Yeah. And I'm in pain of my, my leading behavior trait is impatience. And so that was, that's been a struggle for me. So like, I literally had to like learn to go, well, no, this is an important question. So I'm going to, I'm going to fucking sit with it. If it takes me six months to answer it, I'm going to sit with it and keep asking myself this question. Yeah. And then did you, did you ever, what I find with me, if I have a really hard question, then I'll start to ask some of my close people around me you know, those questions just to get different insights of different all the time, a hundred percent. Like I do that constantly, constantly. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's the biggest thing you've changed your mind on? I changed my mind on recently. Um, you know, I think that the biggest thing I've changed, my, I'm trying to think of this is, I don't know if this is going to be I don't know if I would accept this answer if I was asking the question. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't satisfy you challenge me on it. I think the biggest thing I've changed my mind on recently is I I've had this desire. I felt like there was no, um, there was no net worth goal. It was as much as possible. It was absolutely. So like, it wasn't like, Oh, I want to be worth $10 million. I want to be worth $25 million or whatever. And now there's a goal. And it's a lot lower than I thought it would be because the goals are, have gotten way more. I'm like, the goals are spending money on experiences and living a certain way. And so that's something I've changed on. I think part of it is to like going back to my, to this earlier part of our conversation where I grew up with, with really nothing extra, no money, uh, kind of lower middle class. Um, and then I got to a point in my life where I'm like finally started making money and then I'm, I'm really good at spending money. I'm like really good at spending money. And then, uh, then I got to the point of like, well, that's stupid. Like I really got to make sure that I'm making good decisions here. And so then I got into this, uh, mo- mental frame of like, I have to accumulate as much money and assets as possible. And so then I, I started, um, changing my behavior for that. And, there's a lot of good in that. And then I realized like, as I, as I read that book, die with zero, it forced me to actually go in and can do some calculations and come up with some hard numbers and realize like, well, actually like, and this is not like a, I'm not giving myself a license to spend like a drunken sailor, but it forced me to go, well, actually, if you just do X, Y, Z, which you're already well on the path to, you're, you're already there. Like you, you're there. You can do that in this period of time. And you can then go and if you force yourself to come up with these other things that you want out of life, you can go experience those. And so I've changed my mind on net worth. I think I, so to, to boil it down, I would say if you asked me financially what I was optimizing for <laughs> up until June, it was net worth. And what I've decided I'm going to optimize for is net fulfillment to, to steal the term from, from Bill Perkins decided to optimize for net fulfillment. What fulfills you? 
they're different things. Oh, uh, so like that's part of, so that is part of the, that's like part of the book and part of the exercises that I've gone through is like, um, thinking about experiences with kids, spouse, friends, coworkers, things like that. And literally like, uh, attempting to uh, time bucket them as well as it, it's like, I don't know exactly what's going to fulfill me the most, but I'm going to give it a try. And like right now that looks like, um, so I played it. You might be aware of this game. I played a, a sport growing up called over the line or OTL. And, uh, but you know, I never played in the world championships, which is in San Diego every summer while I'm there. And I was like, just, it just dawned on me this July. I was like walking in the coffee shop with my oldest daughter, Sophie, and we were talking and she's like, what is that? I told her, I was like, I need to play in that. So it's like just going and doing that. So think of a bucket list, but a bucket list is not, it's not the right word because a bucket list is like, I'm going to check these things off before I die, which could be in a year or two. And granted, we could all die tomorrow. So I'm aware of that, but it's about making sure I'm having these experiences, right? Like I know that in 10 years, over the next 10 years, like my daughter's going to, both of them are going to start driving. My oldest daughter will have graduated high school already. So like, what are the experiences I want to have with her? or them, both of them before they're out of the house uh, and before they're through high school and before they're both double digits or teenagers, like just literally bucketing it down to things like that. Everything from like family vacations to like the selfish thing I talked about, like playing OTL or haven't been snowboarding since Sophie was one. So eight years, eight, almost nine years, Um, just doing things like making sure I'm doing things like that. And those can all change. So it's going to be like a constant evolving exercise. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I see this a lot in people that I, I work with and just a lot in general, like people from like 30 to 50 years old, for whatever reason, seem to struggle with fun so much. Like, why, why do you think that is? You taught me that. Yeah, but why, why do you think that is? I know for myself, I, like, I think that we get caught up in what we have to do. We have commitments, we have a business or a job and we have a spouse and kids and uh, people that depend on us or whatever. And then we have, which then puts us into these roles, right? They, they put us into these roles of like, this is who I am. And like, I actually think the worst thing, <laughs> so funny because like the word uh, identity is for whatever reason, like a trap word these days. But like, I think the worst thing, one of the biggest problems we have in the world is, is we all have this fucking need to identify as something. Uh, and I say that as a guy who's identifying as a Dodger fan right now, uh, and I'm not letting that go, but we all have this need to identify as a Republican or as a Democrat or as a, uh, a realtor or Keller Williams realtor or an EXP realtor. Like, and I think that we just, we get these identities and the, and the, the less time we spend thinking about why we have that identity and why we're doing that, um, then the uh, like those more stuck we get into those roles. And that I think as you grow up, like you just the roles of fun, like just we don't think it's important. We're taught, I think, from a very early age that fun isn't important as you grow up. And the, yeah. like, the truth is, it is, it is important. I, I've never met somebody truthfully, if you got like in their heart and asked them, like, do you like to have fun people? I've never seen anyone say no, no, I, I don't enjoy fun, but it's so funny because I look at it this way. It's like the more you prioritize yourself in your own things that fulfill you like over the line championship, going to San Diego, going to the Dodger game downtown, the more of these things that fulfill you, I feel like then your, your, your kids get to an experience, a more fulfilled dad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And hundred percent and your wife gets to experience a more fulfilled husband. And so by prioritizing yourself, like the byproduct of that is like, you're a better you for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I, yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's easy. I think it's easy to go. Yeah. But then you're selfish and you only care about you. And that, that requires no thought. Like that lacks, that requires that's, that's, that lacks nuance, which is easy and lazy. 
to not think about how important that is. Like if you can't think about threading the needle between the two realities of like, we all know it, especially you and I grew up in small towns. So like we know the guys that really aren't really doing a whole lot more different than they were when we were 16 drinking beers in the front yard or in the desert. And they're still doing it now in their forties and, and, and that's their life and you no know, responsibility, but they have a lot of fun. We like to, to not realize that there's a nuance between the, between that person mm-hmm. and the person who's go, go, go all the time. And always in the role of husband, dad, mom, wife, dot, you know, whatever, uh, employee, employer, and serious all the time. Like if you, to not think about the nuances is, is just fucking lazy. Like it's literally mentally lazy mm-hmm. and it's so important to, to having a fulfilled life. I, I think I'm stealing fucking a hundred percent of all that. Yeah, take it. <laughs> like, I'm sure. I did not make it up. No, I did, I, I'm, I'm sure I didn't make that. it up. I repeated what someone else said at some point that I listened to. Well, it's so good. It's like certain things like, I, and I, I say it on this, on our, this, this call all the time. It's like, life isn't this or that this or that requires no fucking thought. It, yep. it, it, no, it requires no thinking. And I love the term of threading the needle. That's really good. And that's really finding the integration of these things in, in life. Um, and I think that's really where fulfillment is lives is in the integration of, of these things. Yeah, dude, it, it really, yes. Yeah. hundred percent. There's literally no doubt in my mind left about that. Yeah. Do, so do you feel like do you feel like you're prioritizing yourself more, less, or the same? As opposed to what, like six months ago? Whenever you were ago? lost. Yeah. Oh, in a way less, in a, like in the micro less. Cause like, like I'm dude, I took, I'm, I'm, I think I worked like four days between the months of June and July. Mm-hmm. I don't, I just, by design did that. Like I decided a couple years ago, like if my kids are not in school, I just don't want to be at work. So that's like the goal. Um, and so, but like, that's microcosm of like, yeah, like I just didn't have a lot. So now I'm in a way, like I'm, I'm a lot more clear on what I'm doing work-wise, which is a little bit less time for me, for me theoretically, but I am, I am being more purposeful with my time for me, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's kind of, it's, totally. it's a little bit both. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't want to miss this. And I, 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 I tagged this because I know you wanted to answer this is uh crystal's question that she had earlier on here, where she said, does anger fuel you to have a chip on the shoulder to get motivated? Yeah. It always has my whole, my whole life. Like love being the underdog. I love being the guy that, uh, when I first got my real estate license, the guy that owned the brokerage that I joined I met him like first day and he looked at me and he, did this. I was wearing shorts by the way that day and flip flops and a t-shirt. And I could just tell, I was like, this motherfucker thinks I'm not going to sell any real estate at all. And it annoyed the shit out of me. And that's great for me. Like I can get up and go with that. And, um, a good friend of mine who, who, you know, uh, Michael Burnoff, I had, um, and David queen, he was there with us in the room that he probably doesn't remember. Cause it was, he said it to me, um, but David was in the room. There's like five of us in a room one day with Michael and Michael was, was teaching us about something. And he said something to me to the effect of, and this was September of 2020, something to the effect of, yeah, that's great. Like you guys do great with the chip. referring to me in front. Like you just do great with the chip on your shoulder. Like you, you get mad and then really it's worked well for you. Like it's worked really well for you, but like maybe, maybe there's just a smarter way to do it now. And ever since that day, he's like, he was like, maybe you don't need to be mad about this anymore. Like, maybe there's just a smarter way. And I was like, fuck. And so what is, I think maybe the heart of like Crystal's question, whether it's her and I have to probably talk about this offline. If not, I know I share it with some people is like, so I spent all the way up until literally that day, really being good about being motivated by a chip on my, go ahead, count me out. That's good. I love it. Underestimate me. I'm cool with that. I'm really, I'm good. Um, to maybe I shouldn't deal. Maybe I'm not going to worry about that anymore. And then I got to the point of like, I think I've like, I stopped caring about a lot of things that I used to care about because it would motivate me and maybe even agitate me and get me going. And then I was like, Oh shit. Now I don't know what's going to get me going. Cause I don't, I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm really not mad about much anymore. Like I'm not, I don't like, I don't, I just don't give a shit. 
even more than I, than I did before. And including the things that I used to let agitate me in a good way. Mm. So I think so, that's so, my, so that's be the root of my problem earlier this year. Yeah, oh, like, okay. I had nothing to be mad about. Yeah. Well, Nothing were you really mad. Ma like mad, like mad? So like, I will never, like, I don't ever have oh. the desire to get rid of the chip on my shoulder, but it's the competitive spirit of wanting to win. It's like, does that make sense? Like if I, we I play pool, mad. like if we play pool against each other, like I want to beat you and I love you. Like I'm not you're, mad. You're going like, to, cause cause pool's dumb, just like golf. Yeah, so yeah, well, okay, you're going well, to so, over the line then. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so it's so funny. Like, so Jeff just said, you're turning to Gary. Fuck you, Jeff. Um, but like, I used to let there, like Gary Geller did something that was very personal and mean and attacked my, um, my family's ability. Like, like it was, it's harsh. And it was really easy for me to use that for fuel for a couple of years, like real easy. And I just don't give a fuck. Like, I just don't, I'm like, what a moron. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he'd even put himself in that position, but good for him. Right. And so that like, that's a great example of something I'm like, yeah, okay, okay cool. I'm just not mad oh, okay. about it. You know, I like, I don't need that to get me motivated mm -hmm. yeah. to go recruit or to, to prove that I can still sell real estate or whatever. Like, and that's just an example. Uh, there's plenty, like I've let people like there's bit, there's always a villain, right? I've always had a villain. Right at some point in my life. And so that I just decided to stop having them. Yeah. I think it's how you define the chip on the shoulder. Yeah. Right. It's like, um, yeah, like I just, I just like winning and I love that about me, you know, like it's yeah. that, I guess if that's the chip, you know, I mean, if that's the chip then that's chip. And then you said villain where actually i don't want to bring the guy up but like you're there's one you told me you're like somebody always like needs a fight you know yeah, like i don't necessarily yeah. yeah yeah that's that's good and bad like if you don't learn yeah. how to if you don't learn how to to channel that like and i dude i'm still competitive like if we go play pool like i'm not playing pool because now i know you know how so i'm not going to do that until i practice not, I, I, right so yeah. yeah but so like i want to win i do want i'm competitive i want to i don't I, i'm I usually won't put myself in a position to play a game against someone or something if I don't think I have a chance to win. Uh, yeah. And so I like that part is still there. Like there's that competitive part. I just don't have to be mad about it. I don't have to be mad that like yeah. this, this guy who's like a famous pool player snubbed me and said, I don't know what I'm doing when I, you know, when I shoot, you know what I mean? Like that just, yeah, doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I decided that's to not let that be the thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and that's good. where I was like, that's where I think, I think that's where I, where I grew up a lot of, like, I was like, well, I'm going to make it anyways. Cool. You don't yeah. like it. I'm going to make it anyways. You don't like that. I wear flip-flops. I'm going to make it anyways. You don't like it yeah. that I wear shorts. I'm going to make it anyways. All the, all of those types yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Can we mute? Uh, David, we mute everyone. That's not Kevin and I, <laughs> um, so you, you stop trying to like, what, I guess, like prove yourself or like prove it to people or. Yeah. I don't think I have anything to prove. And, and yeah. I, I probably never did. I probably never did, but I felt like I, or I used letting, I used feeling that way as a way to motivate myself, I guess. Mm. And I was now that's just not how I motivate myself. How do you motivate yourself now? Uh, that fulfillment. I, I now I'm a lot more clear on what I want out of life. And I'm really clear of the fact that I've, you know, I think I got 46 years left. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, uh, that's really cool. Yeah. I look at that as like where, where you said it made you angry. Like I look at it as like fun. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like, uh, like, like when I saw you, like, you know, like, okay, just let's see the, the flip-flops and being successful with shorts on. It's like, I don't look at that as like a fuck that guy. I look at it like, oh, this will be fun. Like, this is fun. This is exciting. Right. Like, yeah. And so like, and you would play into that. Like you, like that is the way you would show up. And I guess rather than you go, yeah, you know what? Now Dustin is like, oh, this is cool. And he like, maybe I made him realize there's one less rule in life he has to follow. Totally. One less, one less dumb uh, society 
standard that he has to follow. Instead of looking at that, what I would do is I would look at the other person who was like, you can't fucking put this guy on stage. You can't let him like, he shouldn't be teaching. He shouldn't be, he's not the expert. He can't even, you know? So I would focus on the, on the guy that was like the doubter judging me based on whatever clothing or shoe footwear, as opposed to me going, yeah, but like, I just let, like, I just gave Dustin one less thing to fucking worry about in life. Totally. Like I love the beating to your own drum. Like it was just yeah. like, it's why I left my old company is because I had to beat to their drum. And then I have you as an example of somebody who's just beaten to their own drum or our buddy, you know, Chet Black beaten to his own drum or like, I just like the guys that just, and gals that just that guy's like, drum is a trumpet, by the way. Like that's how weird <laughs> he is. Um, <laughs> I love but, him for it. No way. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I just love that unapologetically and it, okay. Here's what I'll say. Kev is like, unapologetically myself without being bitter. Yeah. That, and I think when we're angry and when we're like pissed off or whatever, there's this bitterness to the, I'm me motherfucker. Right. It's like, this is who I am. It's like, Haha, I'm going to prove you wrong. And then there's the like, no, I'm just going to be me. And uh, I'm going to show you that I can do it with flip-flops on or shorts on. I'm going to show you do it. I can do it my way. And it's just like, um, it's like, it's just not bitter. <laughs> They yeah, don't have yeah. any bitterness attached to it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like I think that's a great way of putting it. When people first start setting boundaries in their life, they learn boundaries. They start. I always see them set bitter boundaries. Yeah, and it's like you can set boundaries without being bitter. Like yes, those are the boundaries. easy ones to set. Those are those yeah. are the easy ones to set, and maybe those are like those are good starters. Like that's yeah. like a training wheel. But then we got to like I just I took too long to to take off my training wheels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, no. What do you mean? I mean, like, I like I would use bitter boundaries. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, and yeah. then, like, that's cool because, like, setting a boundary is good and healthy, and especially like, especially in real estate. For those of you that that claim to work twenty four seven, fucking stop that. Um, set a boundary around your work hours, and then so in you know a bitter boundary is better than no boundary at all, is what I mean totally. by that. And so totally. then, like. So think of like the bitter boundary example you just gave as like, to me, that's a training wheel. Cool. That's better than no, than no boundary at all. And then I'll move to maybe a more healthy boundary. Yeah. I feel like there's three steps to boundaries. There's bitter boundaries. Then there's just boundaries where you're just conscious of your boundaries and you have no bitterness attached to them. And then there's just fucking the third version is just living. Yeah. Like I just live. Like, I'm, you know, it's like, I know what I like, know what I don't like. <laughs> I'm just observant of the things and I'm just living in it. And, and I'm going towards what I wrote down here with you is like net fulfillment. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's cool, man. It's a, uh, it's been cool to uh, it's, it's been so cool to watch you be so introspective and like, so uh, you're just an all in dude. And so when you, when you, uh, when so you, much. You are, dude. And it's so awesome because like when you get fixated on something, it's like you will not stop until it's like I figure this fucking thing out. Have you always been that way? Yeah. I, my buddy, uh, Patrick Woods posted this meme a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, yeah. And it, it was like, uh, like, I'm either like uh, completely obsessed or not even a little bit interested. There's no <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely me. <laughs> That's funny. It, growing up, like, uh, is that how you were as a kid? It was your, were your parents like that? Or who were you more like your mom or your dad? Oh, probably more like my dad. I think he might've been, uh, he, he no, not might've like, he definitely was like that. Like, um, but at least with like sports teams for sure. No, he was like that with everything. You know, now, now I think about it. I was pretty young when he died. I was like, uh, he died when I was 20, uh, 20, 21, 22. Uh, and so at any rate, uh, definitely more like my dad in that sense, but yeah, like I, I can't remember not being like that. I'll put it that way. Yeah. You've said that you've, you've, you've said death a lot. How it, 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 like in the past, like your, your, your dad died when you were, you said 25. Yeah. It was, uh, 2002. So that would have been what 20 years ago. So then I was 
It's 24. Sorry, I'm getting bad at math. Apparently, fuck. I do know three percent is three percent of fucking everything. Uh, everything. How how do you deal? How do you handle death? Oh, I don't know. I just do like, like anything else that's bad that happens. Like you just, it shows up and like, you figure it out. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's two things. There's two ways to respond, uh, you know, to things that happen. And it's like one of the, one of those ways is like you figure it out or one of those ways is you don't like, and I, I've just been like, well, I'm, I got to wake up tomorrow and I still have to do these things. And so I'm just going to, you know, what, whatever, dude, I don't know. I had, I had three close friends die. Uh, within a year of each other, uh, uh, one year and, uh, as a teenager and then, um, you know, some, some close family members and of course my dad and, you know, so I don't know, maybe I learned to deal with it, uh, earlier on. And I don't know. I like, I don't have a strategy for it. Uh, I I really don't. Um, but I, I think maybe I just had a younger realization of that. Like people do die Mm. and like, it's just like, it's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. What is your, what is your thoughts on death? Like, are you scared of it? Do you think about it often? Do you, are you fearful of it? Like I would, so I would say a year ago, I was definitely fearful of it compared to where I feel today. Um, And it's probably just more of like, I don't know. Like, I don't like, I don't think about it a ton outside of like the giant poster I look at every day. Um, So I, you know, I don't know. I just think of it like it, like it's like it's coming for all of us, no matter what. Uh, I think the only I don't, but I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it outside of the using it to motivate myself to stay on track for net fulfillment. Of like, am I going to go have this experience? Like, am I going to have the Disneyland experience with my daughters? Am I going to have the, you know, the Hawaii experience with family members and or or the cruise experience with extended family or the, you know, the. Uh, the uh snowboarding experience in utah what like whatever fill in the blank right i'm just like okay well there's a there i look at it more of like like a countdown to make sure i do experience things uh you know before then yeah what's the poster you look at every day uh it's it, so it's called some people refer to it as like life in weeks um it's a it's a poster and it has uh in my case like so it's got 90 90 years worth of dots. Each dot represents a week and each line of dots is 52 weeks. And so just every week you just fill in a dot. Mm. And so as you, as you, so if you go look on my Instagram, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I put it on Facebook or not. Uh, I've got like a picture of it where it's like, you know, partially cut, co- like I just colored in, it's colored in one mm. circle a week. Yeah. How many weeks, how many, how in the, the die was zero. They basically try to, in the book, they talk to you about uh, um, like what you're going to live to. Right. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, how have it's you, a, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's like, it's a model. It's a, it's a, it's a framework for, for thinking about that and, and, and using the intersection of the money author. What's that? Health. Bill Perkins, yeah. you know, and it's, it's about, it's, it's using the intersection of money, health, stages of life and to factoring all those things to get like, here's the deal. Let me give, I think if I give you guys this example, you'll hear it. Every, every Warren Buffett is revered in investing circles, right? When you think of investing, I don't think anybody on this call would actually change places with Warren Buffett. What a fucking terrible life. Like there's no way I'd want that life. He has more money than almost anybody uh, and drinks a lot of Diet Cokes, has a lot of Big Macs and we lost the host. Uh, and yet, uh, yet I like, I wouldn't change. Like I, there's no way I change places with that guy. There's just, there's no way he's optimized for net worth. That's awesome. Good for him. There's just, I think there's more to a lot, a lot more to life than the net worth. Yeah. Dave, maybe he's empty. Maybe he's not like, but the thing is, I know that what he has is not what I want. That's most important. Like maybe it is, but like literally think about that. Like there is just no way would I want to live in the same house I bought 50 years ago, drinking uh, a diet, you know, 10 diet Cokes a day and eating a McDonald's every day, driving the same beater car, whatever. Like 
that sounds stupid. What a waste, like what a waste of resources. Like, like it's like, it makes me think of that Oscar Wilde um, quote, like anybody who lives within their means lacks from creativity or they, they're just lacking creativity. Right. And so, and again, it's this nuance going back to what I said earlier about uh, like, don't have lazy thoughts of this, like probably live within your means. Like that's really intelligent. Right. Like maybe, like maybe don't spend more money than you make. And also maybe don't save, invest, whatever, sock away more than you're ever going to possibly be able to spend. Like how much more good could you get out of it? And more importantly, like let's uh, use you Warren, Mr. Buffett as an example, um, only because it's, you know, he's so outrageous and so on the, you know, he's such an outlier. Like, let's say today he decided, you know what, this is dumb. I've got more money than I can ever spend. I need to go, go experience more life. So let's say he decides to go on a cruise. And on that cruise, there's going to be stops at all these ports. Do you think that dude's getting off, off, off at those ports? And he's like going to go out and explore like the caves or, you know, where like, no, he can't, he's physically not able. He's past that stage of life where he's even physically capable of spending money on things and experiences. And to me, that's just, you know, not worth, um, you know, not, not worth it, not worth it at all. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.